Welcome to I Got Sucked Off by Historical King Arthur, a sincere and critical analysis of fate, the series where you fuck the mythological King Arthur for magic. Uh, I'm Sierra, my pronouns are she, her. I'm Dustin, my pronouns are he, they. And this week we are starting the second route of Fate Stay Night, uh, Unlimited Blade Works. Yeah, uh, we will be covering days three through five, uh, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at least the second half of day three, because that's when Unlimited Blade Works diverges from the original route. I mean, it's uh, barely even do... the second half. It's just like part of that last encounter with uh, Berserker, Berserker, really. Yeah, that's true. Um, so the before we do that, though, um, I want to do a little thing where we give our top five characters, because I think it would be fun if after we finish each route... Uh, we say uh, which characters we like the most and see if uh, that shuffles around at all uh, once we as we finish the roots. Um, so I think uh, we'll start at number five and we'll each give our uh, number five slot. Um, so my number five is Issei. Wow, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, for me, my number five is Mitsuzuri. Um Probably for a similar reason that your number five is Issei. Uh, I just, I think she is fun. I, I think every scene she's in has, like, a fun energy to it, and it is fun to see her bounce off of Rin. Yeah, same for me. I like how Issei interacts with Shiro, and I just think he's, like, a good dude. You know, yeah. he's just out there trying his best to be a good friend. My man is just uh, vibing. Yeah. He's on that king shit. Uh, my number four slot is Lancer. Oh, hey, my number four slot is also Lancer. Hell yeah. I just, he's such a shithead, and he's so hot, like. Yeah, he's, he he is definitely both of those things. And, like, uh, he's just fun to have on screen, because he just does absolute dipshit things, and it's great. And also, he murders Shiro, like, three times, and who doesn't love that? Yeah, shout out to our, shout out to our man, Kukulin. Fucking kill Shiro a couple more times for me, okay? <laughs> eventually we meet your teacher. Eventually we'll meet his teacher and she's even hotter. She's so fucking hot, dude. I'm upset uh, about it. God. I, so um, there's something about that bodysuit. I mean, it, I just, I'm just a lesbian and like a woman who has a spear. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. Ah. Uh. It's real good. In 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 her summer version for Fate Grand Order, she uh, throws that spear with her foot, and it and it explodes into a bunch of <laughs> uh, other spears. Fate Grand Order is dumb as shit, dude. It rules. Oh man. Uh, anyway, in the number three slot, I have Archer. Oh okay. Uh, why number uh, Archer? Uh, just because I I really I you know. We talked a lot about, um, you know, his interactions with, uh, uh, with Shiro, and, like, while those are good, I think I really like him just because of those, the few scenes we get between him and Rin, Mm -hmm. and, like, I'm not, I don't think it's a friendship, but it is, like, a mutual respect they have for each other, and Mm -hmm. I just really like their dynamic. I think he's, uh, I, I think he's a really fun character, and I like his design. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. Um, yeah, I actually don't have him on my list just because it felt like... I, I, 
at least I felt like I could feel the plot basically saying, hey, Archer's taking a backseat uh, this route. Don't worry about it. He'll be back another one. And so it was hard for me to justify him being on that list. Yeah, I can see that. Um, my number three is Fujine. Again. <laughs> I, she's such an idiot, and she roasts Shiro all the fucking time, and it rules. Like, yeah. it, it, me loving Fujine is the part of me that just loves fucking slice-of-life nonsense shit, and her just being a slice-of-life nonsense character who shows up. Yeah, she comes out of a completely different genre. <laughs> yeah, and it rules. I want that genre. I want that show. Well, we'll get to it. That, oh, that's, no. that I mean that that show is just like the Is that the cooking um, show? Yeah, it's the cooking show. Okay, wait, that one actually might be good. I might actually love yeah. that one. Yeah, you might actually. Uh, like unironically, I might watch that show and be like, yo, this is the best fate property. Yeah, because Lancer also gets to be in there and, and he just gets to vibe and like show. I out just want them people. to hang out and like yeah. Be shitheads and like Shiro be bad at flirting as Rin also is bad at flirting, but pretends she's good at it. <laughs> oh, Rin is so bad at flirting. It's so good, dude. It rules. Rin's idea of flirting is shooting bullets at you. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's great. Fucking me. Uh, ideal woman. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, my what was what's your slot three? Oh wait, you already gave my slot, slot three is Tujane. My uh, slot yeah. two is Rin. Um, I, I like Rin just because it feels like she has, like, oh, both a lot of energy and a lot of agency. Um, like, I, I think she is the most interesting character in Root, in the Fate Root, for sure. Um, she has the most agency, she has the most active desire and objective, and is the person who puts forth the most effort to achieve that, um, like, in, in a constant state. And then also works against those stated desires uh, to achieve what has been a new objective for her. Like, that, that is interesting. There is a conflict inherent in Rin's character that is interesting and appealing that isn't super there for a lot of the protagonists. Yeah. Uh, my number two is Saber. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, which, like, before I had uh, read the, the Fate route, um my opinions on Saber had been like, yeah, she's a fun character, I guess, but, like, there are, there are more interesting ones in Fate, mm-hmm. uh, in the Fate franchise, but uh, actually playing through Fate Stay Night has given me a lot of affection for Saber. Like, she's mm-hmm. a legit- legitimately, like, interesting character with more nuance than I expected. Um, and also, she's, she just has a really good design. Yeah. I, I think um, I would feel more affectionate towards i mean like i like saber just fine like i don't dislike when she's on screen or anything i just i think i would probably feel more affection towards her if she had someone more interesting to play off of um but shiro in shiro in the fate route at the very least is just an affection black hole i fucking hate him so much and like him being the sole person that saber bounces off of in that route pretty much means that a lot of affection i have for her just gets kind of siphoned off yeah, we'll get to it a little later, but one thing I immediately thought of when I finished these first three days we'll be talking about is, like, man, I wish the personality Shiro had in Unlimited Blade Fucking Works was the one he had yeah. in the Fate Route. Yeah, Because he's immediately so much better. <laughs> immediately. And I was like, man, I completely understand why Redacted wants to Redacted. <laughs> 
if all he was aware of was the fate root Shiro, I too would want to redact it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, my number one slot is Rin. I don't think yeah, yeah, that was uh-huh. going to be a surprise for anyone. No, you want her to shoot you. I get it. It's fair. I yeah, respect it. Uh-huh. My number one is uh, Issei, because he's a fucking king. Oh, hell yeah. Issei, like, I want to be clear here. This isn't a joke. I actually love Issei that much. I love Issei. He's such, like, just a doofus, but, like... A very sincere one, and, like, is just maybe the most fun I had with a character in the entire first route. Like, him just shit-talking Rin and being like, yeah, I fucking want her to hear me. Let's go. Let's fight. I want to have it out. Yeah. And Shiro being like, oh my god, shut the fuck up. No, no, no. Don't. Now I would <laughs> rather you talk shit behind her back. And him being like, no, come at me. Uh, is so fucking funny. It's I will fight moment. her in a battle of minds. Uh-huh. And Shiro being like, oh my god, it won't be a battle of minds. She'll shoot you with a gun. Uh, I love Issei so much. He's so dumb. He's real good. Uh, I, I like that our, our top, fives li- top five lists include mostly the same people. Uh-huh. And I like that both of us have Issei, and it's just at completely opposite ends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so good. If, if only Fate Grand Order would put Issei in the game. God, yeah, where's my Issei demi-servant? I I mean, here's the thing. No one gives as much of a shit about Issei as you and I do. Probably not, because, like... Literally no one. I I guarantee you that most of the people playing Fate Grand Order have never in their lives played Fate Stay Night. Uh, I I think there's a significant chunk of them, yeah. Um, And, like, if you haven't played Fate Stay Night... You probably don't have any strong opinions about Issei, or perhaps any opinions at all about Issei, because I don't think he's really a factor in any of the anime adaptations. Uh, no, he's like barely in the anime adaptations I've yeah, seen. Like I, I don't recall him showing up at all in Unlimited Blade Works. Mm. He maybe a little bit because of the stuff with Caster, uh, but uh, yeah, he is going to show up a little bit if I remember correctly. But in the anime, at least, he was not a super yeah. big factor. But you definitely don't get the time to, like, really know him. Because, like, the an- like again, the anime, for obvious reasons, can't do everything. Understandably, um, yeah. But, yeah, so... Yeah, you're, pro- you're probably right. <laughs> that uh, there's never going to be an Issei demi-servant, because hardly anyone playing Fake Grand Order even knows that Issei exists. Mm-hmm. And frankly, it's bullshit, but, you know, uh, yeah. I can dream... Yeah, do my man solid. Come on, let, um, let him be fucked up. Okay, wait. They gave who? they gave Fujine a demi servant. Did they really? Yeah, Jaguar man. Right, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh my god that that'll that'll be a thing in the Babylonia anime. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, anyway, um, let's start uh, on uh, day three. Uh, so, I'm, I'm starting at the, I'm starting directly at the split here. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we pick, we pick, uh, we pick up the Unlimited Blade Works route at the moment that Saber is first summoned by Shiro. Lancer has just fled, and Archer and Rin have arrived at Shiro's house. Saber is about to attack Archer. Uh, now that we've cleared the Fate route, we're given a choice, uh, we're given a choice here, um, when there didn't used to be one, uh, we can either allow Saber to attack, uh, 
allow Saber to attack Archer, which will just get us back to the back on track to the Fate route. Uh, or we can tell her to stop, which is where the Unlimited Blade wor- Works route branches. Uh, Shiro, uh, after we tell her to stop, Shiro recognizes Rin, who's standing behind Archer. He doesn't know who Archer is, but he's certain that if he lets Saber attack Archer, she will then go on to attack Rin. Uh, he cries out to Saber to stop, unconsciously using a command spell. Uh, so that's that's another thing. We get the first command spell use immediately. Yeah, it's way quicker in this one. Yeah. Uh, Saber asks him why he stopped her from eliminating a master, and Shiro explains he can't let her attack someone he knows personally. Saber says that they're his enemies, which confuses him, and asks Saber to start by explaining what a master is. Rin, er- Rin interjects and greets Shiro. Since they're both masters now, she tells him they don't have to hide that they're both magi. When Shiro acts, acts surprised by this revelation, Rin becomes irritated and tells Archer to turn into spirit form because, quote, I'm pissed right now, and quote. Yeah, it rules! She's so mad about how fucking stupid Shiro is! Uh, Archer asks her, asks her what she means by pissed. <laughs> Rin explains she won't be able to calm down until she makes Shiro realize the situation he's in, so Archer should go away for now to make Saber less on edge. Uh, Archer disappears. Rin suggests they talk inside. Quote, rest assured that I'll let, I'll tell you everything, even if you say you don't want to know, end quote. Uh, Saber agrees to not attack Rin. you go learn. Yeah. Saber agrees to not attack Rin so long as she helps Shiro. Uh, as they walk into the house, Shiro tries to figure out some basic concepts in his head that we already went over in the Fate Route. Uh, they enter the living room, and Rin notices the shattered glass from when Lancer attacked through the windows. Rin casts a spell and restores the glass. Uh, Shiro tells Rin he's very impressed. She looks confused and tells him, tells him he should be able to fix him himself that way, too. He explains he was only taught by his father, so he doesn't even know the basics of magic. Rin asks if he can't even run his own workshop, and Shiro says he doesn't have a workshop. Uh, she asks more about she asks about more jargon he doesn't understand, which causes him to explain that all he really knows is strengthening magic. Rin laments that Saber got summoned to this guy instead of her. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, Rin goes over the basics of the Holy Grail War that we already know. However, in this route, she does accidentally let one thing slip. In her attempt to emphasize that Shiro is now part of a survival game, she mentions how he has already been killed once by Lancer, but somehow managed to recover. Shiro picks up on this and asks her how she could have known that. Realizing her mistake, she recovers by claiming it was just a guess and changing the subject. Because she's very bad at this. Rin, you (laughs) fucking mess of a girl. Uh, we again go over stuff we mostly already know, but Rin does mention that beings like Saber are technically known as ghost liners, which I don't think is something we get in the Fate route. No, it's not. Yeah, that's that's a new term for us. Um, heroes from the past who are given bodies. Uh, she also mentions that all humans, animals, or machines that leave any great achievements behind get removed from the Ring of Reincarnation and sublimate into beings of higher rank. Uh, so yeah, it's not just people that can be heroic spirits. Um, Mm -hmm. her explanation complete, they head to the church to register Shiro and Saber as participants in the war. Uh, Shiro is concerned about Rin walking around at such a late hour, uh, but Rin reminds him that they have Saber. 
Apparently, ever since Shiro made Saber wear a raincoat to cover her armor, she follows him around and only speaks to Rin. Uh, as they get close to the church, Rin says Shiro must have been, been there at least once. He lies, saying he's never been there, but does know it used to be an orphanage. At the entrance, Saber refuses to go further, telling Shiro he'll need to enter without her and not let his guard down. Rin mentions that the priest is a magus, and we get a little more information about the relationship between mages and the church. The church seeks to eliminate anything inhuman, which includes magic using humans. They believe miracles are only given to holy saints, and any miracles performed by others are heresies. Even those within the church are forbidden from using magic. We also learned that reporting to the church when one becomes a master is a, is a rule that Kyrie invented. Um, Kyrie pretends not to recognize the significance of Shiro's surname and thanks him for being the catalyst to finally bring Rin over for registration. He goes over the basics of the war, which we already know. With the benefit of our, of our knowledge from the Fate Route about the origins of this particular Grail, though, we understand that he's not telling the whole truth when he says that they do not have the freedom to simply not kill each other and share the Grail's power. Uh, he claims it is not something we chose, but what the Holy Grail has decided. Which, of course, is not true, because the Holy Grail was, crea was created by Magi, and so were the rules of the tournament. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the Holy Grail is, like, at, at this point, we understand that the Holy Grail is, I, I mean, it is technically a physical object, but the thing that the Holy Grail does is actually a ritual and procedure that is only created by the murder of uh, holy, or of uh, uh, servants and uh, potentially, I mean, really, actually, just the heroic spirits, like. Yeah. And, and so, also, um. It is so funny to me that Kyrie, let, like coming back to this with the knowledge that Kyrie is an, is the antagonist motherfucker, uh, and him being like, yeah, I just need all of you to come visit me so I know exactly who I need to kill. Yeah, uh-huh. Gee, I wonder why he invented that rule just for this particular Holy Grail War. God. <laughs> Such an asshole. Yeah. Uh, at some point, Rin gets irritated by Kyrie's obfuscation of the truth and objects that it's not strictly necessary to kill the masters. You just need to eliminate the other servants. One interesting addition to this scene is Shiro remarking that his Holy Grail, that this Holy Grail war seems fundamentally bad. Kyrie yeah. agrees that it would be prob problematic if an evil master were to win the Grail, but the church can do nothing to stop it. Uh, this time, there is no choice to fight or not. Ashiro decides on his own to fight in the Grail War. Uh, one other strange reveal is Kyrie mentioning that now that the war is officially started, Rin will have points deducted if she comes to the church for any reason other than if she loses her servant and wishes for protection. Even if she won the Grail, the church would not ignore the deducted points and take the Grail away from her, which seems to contradict his previous statement about the church having no power to affect the outcome. Yeah. Also... How would they take the Grail away? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot that Kyrie says here that contradicts stuff he says in, like, the same monologue and also doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, just logistically, it, it is curious. I mean, he's lying, like, is the thing. Like, he is obviously yeah. lying. But, like, logistically, how would they do something like that? Like, you have acquired the Grail the thing that gives you unlimited power and grants a wish, how are they going to take that away from you? 
Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Seems like it would be difficult. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, short of fucking somebody with a pile bunker violin from Melty Blood showing up, like, I don't know what... <laughs> I don't know what they plan on doing. Melty Blood's so fucking stupid, dude. I love Melty Blood. Uh, just Arqueed comes in from the alternate universe. Oh, God. Uh, anyway. I'm uh, so af- excited to make you play the new fucking Melty Blood, dude. <laughs> uh, after leaving, Shiro affirms his co- cooperation with Saber to fight in the Grail War. Rin then advises Shiro that from this point on, they will be enemies, since he now understands the basic. Archer appears behind her and says they should just attack without holding back, regardless of whether Shiro is ready or not. Rin agrees, but appears reluctant. Archer asks if there is a special reason she doesn't want to fight Shiro right now. (laughs) Rin gets flustered, claiming she just can't fight him fairly until she repays him for sparing her. Archer sighs and disappears again. Uh, Rin tells Shiro that she won't try to attack him until tomorrow and suggests that they walk back into town together. At the intersection of two roads, one leading to the Shinto Station and one leading to the bridge to Miyama City, uh, Rin suddenly stops in her tracks. She remembers she was hoping to eliminate a servant tonight, so she tells Shiro to continue on without her since she'll be busy scouting the area. Shiro realizes she's trying to get him to stay away from her from now on so she can have an excuse not to attack him. He tells her she's a good person and that he doesn't want to be enemies if he can help it. He likes people like her. Rin blushes and reminds him to run for the church if Saber is ever killed, so at least his life can be safe. Uh, As in the Fate Route, they're interrupted by Ilya and Berserker as they're about to go their separate ways. The difference now, though, is Archer hasn't been severely wounded by Saber. Uh, Thinking quickly, Rin tells Archer that Berserker can't be beaten head-on and he should fight it with his own unique style. She then suggests that Shiro runs away if he's able to. As Berserker charges, Archer releases a rain of eight arrows, but they don't have any effect on Berserker. Saber briefly clashes swords with the giant, and Rin orders Archer to back her up. A silver arrow as powerful as a tank shell hits Berserker in the temple. Saber tries to follow up after it connects, but Berserker counters her, flinging her away. As Berserker prepares to finish off Saber, Rin shouts to Archer to keep firing and runs up the hill. She she chants a spell and scatters obsidian jewels into the sky, which release bolts of light that fire into Berserker. He again endures it and hits Saber with a powerful blow. Uh, We're given a choice here, but only one of them will let us pick from two options that don't give us a dead end. Uh, Shiro figures that even if he runs away, it's it's not going to matter much. Instead, he follows Saber to where she landed after getting hit by Berserker. He enters a cemetery where the battle is still raging. Berserker's wild blows are causing chunks of gravestones to fly through the air, which Saber is deftly dodging. Thankfully, the cramped quarters of the graveyard give Saber a very slight advantage, which is enough to start tipping the battle in her favor. Rin angrily asks why why Shiro uh, didn't run away, uh, and he says it can't be helped... uh, and, uh, sorry, Rin angrily asks Shiro why he didn't run away. It can't be helped if he dies trying to make a difference, but it would be meaningless if he died doing nothing. Uh, he asks her why she, he asks her why she cares about the life of a rival master. Uh, she says she decided to let him, uh, live uh, for today, and it'd be trouble for her if he didn't get home safely. Sure, Rin. Okay, honey. That sounds like it makes sense. 
That definitely is true. <laughs> You're not lying. <laughs> uh, Shira argues that as long as he's alive, there must be something he can do to help Saber. Besides, Rin shouldn't be asking him to do something she can't do either. Rin concedes that point, then remarks that there's probably no need to run away now. Saber's win is likely inevitable. Uh, Rin deduces that Saber blocked Sa- Berserker's sword and got flung here on purpose. Uh, she, it, It's actually good that I got owned. Um, uh, it I, allowed I mean, her to lure so like... Berserker to a better battlefield while pretending to be cornered. She also remarks that, due to Ber- Berserker's resistances, Archer's backup was meaningless. Um, though that's somewhat questionable, seeing as yeah, the I, thing I... that diverts us really uh, severely from the Fate route is Archer not being critically wounded and able to participate in this battle. I, so, I think... Uh, I'm not I sure if Rin is really accurate about that. Yeah, I mean, I think she's wrong in that, like, the thing that uh, uh, Archer being there does is provide her the space so that, like, uh, at that moment, instead of Shiro running in and getting fucking bodied trying to save Saber, like, uh, there is the space for her to instead take a moment to think... And, like, make an action to put herself somewhere where she can win. Instead yeah. of just constantly fighting an uphill battle that she is going to lose. Um, yeah, and so, like, the presence of Archer alone is enough to change how things go. Um, yeah, it's it's just kind of funny to have, like, in the, in the route where we specifically know what the what the turning point is have to have Rin make this statement and for us to know like oh you're definitely wrong about that Rin mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so you know Rin Rin is not omniscient she's still just kind of a kid who's muddling her way through this yeah. um, uh, this prompts Shiro to wonder where Archer is right now of course we know from the outcome of the fate route that Rin is selling Archer a little short here uh, as Rin watches Saber get the upper hand, she suddenly gets a communication from Archer, who tells her to get away. She's confused by this, and Shiro immediately senses an intent to kill coming uh, uh, kill from somewhere far away. Behind, behind him, he sees Archer readying his bow on a rooftop hundreds of meters away. <laughs> it's time for Archer to be a dumbass. Archer fucking rules right here, dude. This whips ass. Uh, we're now given two choices that both seem the same, and, and ultimately the the differences that they have don't make aren't significant at all. It just leads to slightly different dialogue. Right. Um, so you can either call back Saber or bring back Saber. Uh, one uh, of them gives uh, points one way or the other, I believe. Give me one second here. Oh yeah, you're right. Um, one of them, I think, uh, bring. Which is it? Oh yeah, uh, bring back saber gives both a saber point and a rin point. Okay. Um, so yeah, so uh, being a dumbass and dive tackling saber actually raises your affection with both girls. <laughs> uh, so if we I mean, bring listen, back saber, I love me a stupid boy. I, it's hard for me to like. I get it. They have bad taste, but I understand. Whomst among us yeah. doesn't have bad taste? Uh, if we bring back Saber, Shiro runs full speed towards Saber. Uh, she asks him if he's insane, but he grabs her arm and jumps away while holding on to her. 
Archer releases the arrow, and this time Berserker actually pays heed to the attack and tries to intercept it with his sword. There is a massive explosion, and Shiro briefly goes deaf from the sound and impact of the blast. Uh, he and Saber watch as Berserker stands in the fire caused by Archer's attack. Uh, Archer's spent arrow rolls towards him, and he realizes it looks more like a sword with a gorgeous hilt and a spiral blade. Uh, it soon fades away as if melting into the fire. It makes Shiro feel like vomiting. Um, Ilya finally speaks again, telling Rin she has a better opinion of her now, since Archer is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ilya calls Berserker back. Uh, she's changed her mind. She doesn't want Saber anymore, but she's instead interested in Archer now. Cool. Uh, with, with the threat gone for now, Shiro releases Saber and immediately falls over. He feels a sharp pain running through his back. Uh, Saber thanks, thanks Shiro for helping her, then pulls a piece of shrapnel out of him and is relieved to see he has a way to heal himself. Uh, he's confused by this, though, since he shouldn't be capable of that. Uh, Rin rushes over and asks if he's okay. He confirms he is, then Rin suggests they leave. Uh, people might have noticed the commotion and be coming to investigate. Shiro takes a step forward and immediately passes out. Uh, uh, it... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, if you choose to call back Saber, uh, Shiro calls out to get uh, calls out to her to get away. She turns her back towards Sa uh, sorry, sh she turns her back towards Berserker and leaps away. Berserker tries to pursue, and the arrow comes between them. The explosion happens, and events play out as before. Uh, this time, though, since Shiro never moved, uh, both Rin and Saber notice he looks pale. In this version of events, the shrapnel is not removed, and he simply falls unconscious. Yeah, I mean, so we know why he heals. He has Avalon inside him. Um, uh, fuck, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, uh, and there is one quote as he passes out unconscious. Uh, and what he says is, uh, what's left is this throbbing within me. What's irritating me? And what am I so concerned about? I'm about to fall unconscious, but my head continues to throb. And that, and just like, knowing where this goes is so fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it is so fucking funny to me how blatantly Archer was like, yeah, I'm going to try and kill all three of them at once. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. I, I bet you I can get that two for one. Yeah. And, and Rin is all like, excuse me, what are you doing? Archer's like, what? I, mean, I, I was doing my job. What do you want? I'm helping. I, I mean, listen, he is helping. It's just, you know, he's helping himself. Uh. We uh we start day four. Uh, oh, Shiro um, dream oh so the other ahead. thing I was gonna say is uh the immediate core difference for, between this day three and uh the fate day three is uh Shiro is immediately resolved to fight um, yeah. in a way he was not in uh fate in fate he is much more ambivalent much more uh, willing to sit on the sidelines and we'll see more of this but like out the gate. He is dedicated and willing to fight in a way that he wasn't before. Yeah, um, this the person that like Shiro is is still you know a dumbass in this route, um, but he in the limited blade works route he is a more confident and resolved dumbass. <laughs> um, he's stupid, but he's not that stupid. Yeah, and, and we'll see. We'll see later on that he's also like a lot more respectful towards Saber. Yeah, as mm -hmm. well. Um, but yeah, I I really like I, 
He's still not one of my favorite characters, but I like this Shiro a lot more than Fate I Shiro. agree. Uh, so on day four, Shiro dreams of a landscape he's never seen before. A fiery sky above and an infinite number of swords at his feet. There are no living things here. It looks like a graveyard. He awakes to find Rin in his room, relieved to see that he's fine. So, I actually do want to mention something about this dream. Um, sure. A, 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 an infinite number of swords? Some might even say an unlimited number of blades? Yeah. Um, the other thing is, uh, again, we have... Sh- uh, there is one quote specifically uh, where the swords are specifically called uh, tools are rusting without anyone to use them. Um, which is a significant distinction from how we see swords framed in fate. Um, we have all of that setting up of Shiro as a person who is both a tool and who utilizes tools, who understands tools. Um, there is still that scene where, uh, I believe, where Rin sees him holding the hammer and is like, this person holding a tool is kind of terrifying like it it is something that he should be doing uh but reframing swords as rather than something foreign to him as a tool reframes uh uh, shiro's relationship with them yeah Um, they they, they are a thing that is now available to him in a way that it wasn't before it it is a uh positioning him in such a way as like he is not he is a person who is able to do violence in this or he is a person who is able to fight for a specific objective or, yeah, he is more like Saber in this route. Yeah, a, a little bit. Um, yeah, it it, it, uh, it makes sense that this route has to come after Fate. I I wish, however, if this route had, since this route has to come after Fate, that they just cut out some of that exposition, or at least shortened it. They did not yeah. need to repeat it every single time. Yeah, no, um, there, there's a lot, especially in day three, uh, but also continuing into day four, there's a lot they go over that, like, we already know. Yep. Um, yeah, definitely cut out a lot of that. Uh, so yeah, um, so he awakes to find Rin is, Rin is in his room, relieved to see he's fine, um, because, because Shiro was always uncomfortable, uh, or, with women being in his personal space, he leaps up in surprise. Uh, he asks her what she's doing here and what and uh, what she was doing. Um, you should just you should uh, just be surprised about one thing. She responds calmly. You're not skilled enough to handle two. It's so good. Just the fu- it's, this is maybe the funniest line in the entire fucking story so far. Yeah. It fucking rules. Just dunking him from orbit. <laughs> it's fucking uh, incredible. Yeah, I saw that line. I was like, "Oh, I have to quote that." It's so fucking good. Uh, he guesses correctly that Rin helped carry him back home. However, now that she's confirmed uh, that he's okay, it's time for her to leave. Uh, they'll be enemies soon, after all. Um, I should note that it is technically. The next day, and Rin told him that they would be enemies starting on that next day. And here we see Rin not attacking him. Rin being insincere in her aggression? What a shock! What a surprise! (laughs) Uh, Shiro thanks her and apologizes for being late. Um, She tells him not to thank his enemies. Quote, you'll die a hundred times if you're worried about such a thing, end quote. Which, you know, know, is not wrong. Yeah. 
Others are obstacles, and he shouldn't assume they're like him just because they look human or can speak. He should stop considering other masters to be human beings. Uh, He interrupts her lecture with a simple question. I understand that. Then why didn't you kill me? Uh, This stops her in her tracks, and she makes a flimsy excuse of feeling like it wouldn't be fair to kill him while he's sleeping. Uh, She admits it was a mistake she made because she knows she's stronger. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. She (laughs) leaves, and Shiro looks around the house for Saber. Um, And, and like, we already got this sort of vibe from Rin and the Fate Root, but here, like, Rin's own, like, uh, contradictions and weaknesses are a lot more readily apparent. Yep. Uh, Um, We're like, because she was never really fully raised by a proper mage, like, she knows, she knows, like, she is book smart about what a mage should be. She knows how to do murder academically. Yeah. But she, she herself has never actually done a murder before. Um, yeah, and the other thing we see here during this conversation is, uh, uh, as, um, Rin establishes the justification for the, er, er, establishes, like, the basic premises for the Grail War, um, Shiro immediately establishes his justification for why he wants to do it here, um, which is to stop others from winning by, or who want to win by any means possible, um, and also he dunks on himself again for that desire, where it's like, uh, there was a cut in where he's basically like, uh, uh, congratulations, you can achieve your dream of being a superhero. Um, like that little voice in the back of his head is mocking him again. Yeah, we, we, the, the Shiro in this route is also a little more self-aware. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, so we, we have compared to fate already established Shiro, like ambivalently chasing after the grail because he feels pulled along by circumstance more than anything. Uh, in this route, Shiro is immediately uh, seeking to... His desire is to stop others from achieving the grail and hurting other people in the, uh, uh, as a result. Yeah, he doesn't, he, doesn't want to, he doesn't want to fall into the wrong hands. Like, he doesn't have a use for it, but he's just like, well, given how this war works, there's probably some real fucking bastards out there. I can't let them have the grail. Yeah, which... Uh, um, at the end of this, I have things to say about the framing of Shiro's desires that I think is really interesting, especially in the context of where this goes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, he, uh, Shiro finds Saber sitting silent, silently in the dojo wearing casual clothes. Uh, she explains that since she could not treat his wounds, she thought she'd make sure at least uh, that... She- that she was in perfect condition. Uh, Saber lectures him about not taking such reckless actions in the future. He responds that it's only natural to try and help when your partner is in danger. Saber is surprised that he puts so much trust in her despite barely knowing what a servant is. She she appreciates his kind words and tells him uh, his instruction to her was good even if his methods were not. He agrees and says he'll do better next time. Uh, Saber smiles for a second and says, yes, that is a good reply, Master. Uh, immediately, much better relationship between Saber and Shiro. He also refers to them as uh, uh, partners, like, out of the gate. Yeah. Um, rather than being like, no, you shouldn't fight at all, I should do all the fighting. Like, yeah, she doesn't, relationship... she doesn't belittle, he doesn't belittle her in, in this route. He is way less paternalistic towards her out the gate. Like, he is still weird about her as a woman, but, like, 
that's just because he thinks with his dick and it's yeah. not because he's like being a weird misogynist in the same way. Um, and their relationship is immediately more equitable, immediately more of a partnership. Um, and he is like immediately collaborating with her in a much more sincere way. Um, and this is so much better. Oh my God. When yeah, he doesn't it's... want to fuck Saber, it is so much better. <laughs> it's a tragedy that this is the is that this Shiro is the one we didn't get for like the Saber route. Uh, because at least then I would understand why Saber cares about Shiro so much in that route. Uh, the only reason I have for her wanting Shiro in that route is he's the only available dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but hey, at least it. You know, it could have been worse. We uh, we could have could had have? Fate Zero. We we could have Fate. Z- we could have had Fate Shiro for like all the roots. So as, oh, as much yeah, as I complain true. about Unlimited Blade Works Shiro not being in Fate, at least the opposite didn't happen. Where Fate Christ. Shiro was also in Unlimited Blade Works. I'd be salty. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, she then goes over the role and motivations of a servant, as well as what line she's not willing to cross. Um, so some of the exposition that Rin had is now given to Saber, since Rin is not yet in a true partnership with Shiro, because she has her servants, so she's not feeling vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Uh, this plays out much like the Fate route. This, uh, this time Saber is the one who explains the classes of servants, uh, as an example, since she, since she is a saber, she is exceptionally skilled with swords, but she isn't well-suited for magic or trickery. Since, since fighting is not the only way to win, Shiro shouldn't underestimate classes like as- assassin or caster just because saber can easily defeat them in single combat. Uh, she also explains noble phantasms. Like before, Shiro agrees to let her keep her ident- identity a secret even from him. Um, when Shiro laments the only evidence he's a master is, is his command spell, Saber tells him to close his eyes. Uh, this is new to this route. Mm-hmm. Um, she touches her finger to his forehead, and suddenly a flash of information enters his mind. Uh, as Saber's master, he is the only one who can understand her status. Uh, this information is perceived in a way that is most comprehensible for him. Um, this is partly a way to, in-universe, justify... Um, the stat the stat screens yeah. that you can view in the game, um, uh, where if you go into like the uh, into the game's menu, uh, you can view various information on the servants, such as like their strengths and weaknesses, what their name and noble phantasm is, uh, and it appears sort of like a JRPG stat blocks. Um, <laughs> and uh, I kind of like it. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. I, I kind of fuck with it. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. And so, like, the the explanation here is that the reason why it's JRPG stat blocks is because that's just how Shiro's mind is interpreted, interpreting the information that Saber is giving him. Uh, which is neat. I like it. Uh, it's yeah. also very funny that it's the unlimited... It's the second route where we get a... Justification for that, yeah. Justification for the metatextual elements. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, she, uh, as Sabre, uh, keep forgetting where I left off. There we go. Uh, she now asks him what his plans are. He tells her he doesn't have the will to go out and attack other masters. Uh, he doesn't want, he just doesn't want anyone evil obtaining the grail, but he has no desire for it himself. Uh, Sabre is confused. If he doesn't want it, why has he resolved to fight for it? He explains that he has to obtain it because Sabre needs it. 
he's decided to be her ally, so it's only natural that he help her with all his power. Quote, well, it's only an opinion that I received from my father, but he said I should be uh, selfish to become a, uh, to become a superhero. Uh, it's pointless to support everybody, so he told me to only ally with people I like and trust. I never thought that way before, but I think that's how I should be now. I can't do something like fight for myself. But if I can fight for you, then that's good. End quote. Uh, and again, we have this distinction between Shiro in this route and Shiro in the Fate route, where uh, Shiro in the Fate route was actively pushing back against that um, advice from uh, Kiritsugu. Yeah, Fate uh, Shiro whereas... wanted want to save everyone, and he thought it would be unfair if he couldn't. Right, whereas this Shiro uh, immediately is willing to acknowledge that he is unable to save everybody. Um, actually, I, I think this is actually probably a good point to talk about um, Shiro, uh, the way his desires in Fate and the way his desires in this route are distinct. Um, so in the first route, he uh, is kind of ambivalent towards... Um, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to find where exactly in my notes. Uh, I... Oh, okay, here we go. Um, yeah, so in the first route, we're basically highlight or we're highlighting the issue of him basically being Hamlet. Um, in that, like, he has no desire. He is continually ambivalent. He is continually not making choices and not making decisions. And that, in a large way, is uh, the source of a lot of his issues. Yeah, um, or, or, much or his, like the, Hamlet, it doesn't go well for him. <laughs> yeah, or, or like the desires that he has are often external, are often um, insincere are often uh, fantastical and not grounded in any material reality. Um, in this route, we have a, a different sort of issue, where uh, uh, Saber at one point says, uh, shit's going to go bad for you because of this aimless desire. Yeah, the quote is, um, I cannot clearly, because I actually pulled this out for the summary i okay. cannot clearly put this into words but you will regret it later on you will surely regret it yeah um and i mean we we know she's right um <laughs> but uh so the core distinction here between the first route is uh this is this desire is still not really a healthy one in that it, it, it's a negative or an inverted desire uh, rather than a uh, positive or active one. Uh, the desire to simply want to have X not happen is not the same as having a goal that you can achieve. Uh, yeah. Because it ha wanting X to not happen is effectively an infinite like objective. Like there, there is no time limit. There is no actually achieving it. Yeah, and you're forced into, like, a purely reactionary state, like... You're forced into a reactionary state. You're also never able to rest. There is no completion for you. There is no end. You will be... Unless you abandon this objective, which we know Shiro can't do, um, like, he has made it core to who he is as a person, uh, there is no finish line for you, which, you know, I wonder if that ends badly for him. Yeah, it's also difficult to affect any change on the world for the better if your sole goal is to just stop bad things from happening. Mm -hmm. uh, because in that case, like, the bad thing has to happen first before you react to it. So yeah. it, th There is no positive change that is happening here. At best, you are achieving a uh, status, status quo. quo. Yeah. Which, again, is, like, interesting. Uh-uh. 
I would compared to the anime, this immediately makes clear, especially uh, uh, in conjunction with having the context of fate. This immediately makes clear why Shiro's desire is it's not bad necessarily, but is not sufficient, and it, why yeah. it is dangerous for him like, beyond it, just like generic saving people is dangerous. Yeah, it's better. It's better than the ideology he had in Fate, but it's still mm-hmm. not great. It, it's not great because it there is no good that can come of it for him. Like this is gonna yeah. go bad for him. He is going to change or he is going to die. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, at lunch, Shiro worries that Saber will get weaker every time she fights, since he's not skilled enough to provide her with magical energy. Well, good news, Shiro. We know from the fate route that there's a solution to that. Uh, it won't come up in this There's point. only one CG in this route. We know it's not this one. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's, there is no Saber scene in this one. Uh, Saber explains that a servant without any outside source can still create magical energy using its own magic circuit. Uh, however, this pace of restoration is slow, and if something were to cause her to run out of energy completely, the magic circuit would stop functioning. Um, I, I, Saber uses the analogy of, like, a bucket filling with, like, slowly being filled with water, but honestly a better analogy is to, like, a car battery. Yeah, because uh, the way car batteries like last as long as they do is that they, as long as they have enough capacity, they will like recharge themselves basically. Yeah, um, and that's not it's not infinite, but it takes a long time for a car battery to run out. Um, but if it has no power, it can't recharge itself. Right. Um. Uh, suddenly, they're interrupted by the phone ringing. Uh, Taiga is on the other line and asks, and asks Shiro to make her an omelet for lunch and deliver it to the archery range. <laughs> I love Taiga so much. She's such an asshole. Uh, yeah, just call, just calling up uh, my relative and being like, hey, you, make me lunch. Sandwich uh, boy, make <laughs> me a sandwich, bitch. Uh, after making it, Shiro tells Saber to look after the house and starts to head out. Saber, however, insists on accompanying him since he since it's too dangerous to let him walk outside alone. Uh, they pretty much have the same conversation that they did before, including where Shiro tells her he refuses to let her sleep next to him. Uh, he tries to run from her, but she follows at a distance, pretending not to hear his order to stay home. Uh, which is very so funny. So fucking stupid. Yeah. Shiro's so fucking dumb. Saber's just like, la la, I can't hear you, master. I don't know what you're saying right now. Uh, Shiro eventually relents and apologizes for yelling at her. Uh, he also takes a moment to come up with a backstory for her before they enter the school. Um, as they enter the school, Saber grimaces and remarks that she wasn't expecting the lingering magical energy here to be so strong. Uh, they both speculate it's likely caused by Rin and her workshop. Uh, Shiro heads to the archery club and meets, uh, Mitsuzuri Ayoko, uh, Ayako, uh, Mitsuzuri Ayako. Uh, she guesses correctly also, that we know that that's not true. Like we we know that it's because of the um... yeah boundary field. Yeah, uh, but they don't know there is a boundary right. field here yet. Well, uh, uh, Shiro notices the boundary field at, at around this time. Uh, the previous route. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, I wonder why he thinks it's Rin in this scenario. because uh, he doesn't know about workshops at this point. I don't think. Oh, or, right. Like, it's not something that was really mentioned. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Rin doesn't talk about workshops in the Fate route. 
I don't believe. I, I could be misremembering. No, I'm pretty sure you're right. Um, uh, and, and also, Saber's not with him when uh, he hits that realization. Um, or when he hits that boundary field for the first time. Yeah, so yeah, so Saber actually kind of leads him astray in this case. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Ayoko, uh, Ayoko guesses correctly that he's here to deliver Taiga's lunch. Uh, they uh, then make small talk. Um, and she gets closer and whispers to him, asking who the beautiful girl next to him is. Ayako, totally not gay. Uh, I love her. <laughs> uh, he says it's complicated, but she's an acquaintance of his, and asks Ayako to tell the other club members not to make a fuss when they come in. Uh, the en- they enter the archery range to see Taiga flippantly dealing with dealing with a variety of problems. Uh, Sakura notices him and immediately rushes over. At first, she appears concerned about Saber, but Shiro pretends not to notice and tells her he made lunch for her, too. Uh, This cheers her up, and Shiro tells her she's welcome to come over for dinner. Uh, You're now given the choice of what to do with the rest of your time at the school. Uh, If you decide to take Saber on a tour of the school, she agrees that this is a worthwhile endeavor. He shows her the woods, the track field, and his classroom. Uh, at his classroom, Saber mentions this place is within her safety tolerance levels as she cannot feel any magical energy here. Um, this, uh, this particular, uh, the, um, taking her around the school doesn't give you a whole lot in terms of, like, uh, plot or, um, or really anything, uh, but it is like a, there are a, a, a few cute scenes with Saber. Yeah. Um, however, the, uh, if you stay at the archery club, this feels like, the real choice. Yeah. Just because you get so much about Shiro's mentality. Um, mm-hmm. Because uh, in this in this choice, Shiro chats with Ayako about archery. Uh, she thought he quit because he didn't want to do it anymore, but she's surprised to see that he's still interested in it. Uh, she assumed he wasn't happy about hitting the target because he was so good he only missed once. Uh, she... Uh, uh, quote, did I guess right? I bet I did. Shooting is the mentality of shooting your mind, right? The arrow is not shot at the target, but shot at the mind of the shooter trying to hit the target. So you won't understand the mentality if you can't face yourself, end quote. Um, I'll be honest, some of the dialogue here is a little out there, even for me. <laughs> so I didn't always understand. But, I didn't always understand what they meant. Um, yeah, I mean... So, in this, uh... The dialogue there is specifically about the mentality of uh, uh, archery as a, like, martial arts. Um, because archery, uh... My understanding of this specific kind of archery... Um, fuck, I can't remember the term for it. Um, it is that it is framed as more of a martial art mental discipline than a, a like competitive sport in any way. Um, so it's specifically about the mentality of um, of shooting at the target, of the uh, self-discipline it requires to aim and uh, hit the target consistently and effectively. It, it, it requires a specific mindset, uh, uh, and it is using that specific mindset as uh, a metaphor for Shiro... Uh, and the difficulty he has with facing himself and with having that mental discipline. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah part of it is is that like we just don't have that attitude toward archery in America, so there's a cultural right. dis- disconnect uh, in terms of what they're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think uh, 
I think they do enough to give it context. Um, mm-hmm. Shiro, one of the things that helped me here is that uh, when Shiro thinks to himself about the three of the eight stages of shooting, uh, Kai, the unity of the self and the target, Hanare, releasing the arrow, which has become yourself, and the moment time stops, and Zanshin, uh, the self that is shot to the tar- uh, the self that is shot to the target already knows it will hit, and the mm-hmm. action and the result become one to make the past and the future into a point. Uh, so basically, the, the idea is that you become the arrow, uh, and you as the arrow know before you release your shot that your shot will hit its target, and releasing the arrow is like the two timelines now merging to become the result of you hitting. Yes. Uh, um, also, Zanshan is a term that comes er, that is in multiple different forms of martial arts, if I remember right. Uh, I know it's in karate. Uh, I think it's in kendo. Um, uh, I, uh, Kyoto. Kyoto is the name of uh, uh, Japanese archery. Um, or this specific form of Japanese archery. Um, it, uh, and, like, looking it up, it, it's specifically referring to, like, the body posture after you lose the arrow. Um, it, it's the mental aspect maintained before, during, and after an action. Um, okay. Yeah, and so it, it's specifically uh, uh, about a state of awareness, uh, uh, a state of consciousness. Um, yeah, it, It's not, like, super important, I just think it's interesting. Yeah, I, I think what's interesting about this scene is that, like, apparently Shiro was ludicrously good at archery. Um, yes. Even, even the, like, Shiro reveals here that even the one time he did miss the target, it was because... He was wondering what it would be like to not hit the target. Mm-hmm. Like he missed, he missed intentionally just to know what it would be like. Uh, some would argue that that's not missing; that's just picking a different target. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it, it what's it, what's interesting about this is that like if if um, being a good archer is also like mastering the ability to face yourself uh, then that introduces like a contradiction in shiro um because he is really good at archery but also clearly like we know from the fate route cannot face himself mm-hmm. uh well like it, there, there's this distinction between uh, um archery as a physical action and archery as a mental discipline and like he is very good at one of those, and the other is something he struggles with. Yeah, he mastered the physical portion, but but still hasn't, you know, isn't comfortable with the mental discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shinji sucks sucks at both. I'm just gonna just gonna assume. Yeah, that. but that's just because Shinji sucks. Yeah, uh, Shiro asked her to put aside the difficult archery philosophy and say what she wanted to say to him. Uh, Ayako tells him he should be more selfish and greedy. Quote, I won't tell you to be like Shinji, but why don't you have some fun once in a while? End quote. Uh, she says his unselfishness is why Sakura is so is troubled so much about him. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds about right for Sakura. Oh, that poor girl. Yeah, I I, I like that. Like this scene is basically Ayako just saying, "Hey, dumbass, why don't you kiss your girlfriend?" It fucking ru- listen, Ayako a real one. I 
Ayako out here fucking caping for Sakura every day. I love Ayako. <laughs> Mitsuzuri fucking rules. Uh, uh, it, it's it's very clear from the scene why Ayako and Rin get along so much because like they're yeah <laughs> they're actually very similar type. They have a very similar type of personality. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's also interesting because we had that first conversation with Ayako and uh, uh, Rin way back in the beginning yeah, of the, the and she says something. Uh, Ayako says something about uh, uh, like who she was changing depending on who she's talking to or something. I don't remember exactly what it was. And it's like, yeah, of course she acts similar with, to Rin with Shiro. Like, this is how Shiro needs people to interact with him because he's fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back at the archery club, Shiro asks where Shinji is. Uh, Ayako says he's been skipping club lately and speculates he might have a new girlfriend. Uh, how that man can get girlfriends in the first place, I will never know. Hmm. Uh, Taiga, Sakura, Saber, and Shiro then walk home together. Uh, he tells Taiga and Sakura that Saber is the daughter of a friend of his father. Uh, Taiga initially objects to her staying at the house, but Shiro explains it's basically like offering her a hotel room. Taiga relents, but then asks, asks, asks a surprising question. Do you like her? Uh, Shiro explains that he just met her, so he can't possibly answer that question. But he doesn't deny it. <laughs> Uh, sure, so fucking stupid, man. They all eat dinner in uncomfortable silence. Uh, after dinner, dinner, Taiga declares that she and Sakura will be staying the night. Uh, Saber pulls Shiro aside and worries that she won't be able to protect him properly if she's stuck in a room with Taiga and Sakura. Uh, Shiro tells her she'll just need to play along for now, otherwise Taiga probably won't let her stay in the house at all. Around 11 p.m., uh, Shiro sneaks out to the shed to practice magic and, Im and imagines that Rin is probably doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Rin, we now get an interlude from her perspective. Uh, it's uh, been a while since we've gotten this. Uh, she enters a room from a dark hallway and finds 50 male workers, all of them, quote, scattered about like puppets with their strings cut off, end quote. The air is filled with the rotten smell of a plant, and she asks uh, Archer if he knows what it is. Archer says it must be a witch's potion, one that destroys love. Rick, Rin recognizes this as hemlock. Uh, she recommends they open the window since the men are still breathing. Uh, she then treats the victims who are in especially bad condition and leaves the room. They determine that life energy is flowing towards Ryudo Temple, most likely the work of Castor. Uh, Archer complains that the, con that the conclusion of their fight with Berserker was a mistake. Berserker wasn't defeated, they let Saber go, and they gave away the scope of their power. Rin stays silent, uh, and thinks to herself that she doesn't actually believe it was a mistake to make Berserker retreat and help Saber. Plus, she doesn't believe that Archer has shown his full power yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rin gets lost in thought, trying to figure out Archer's true nature. The arrow Archer fired was a noble phantasm, but why would any sane servant destroy their noble phantasm just for an attack like that? Uh, Archer snaps her out of it and asks her what she intends to do next. Archer suggests they rest, since Rin just spent some energy fighting a bunch of bone golems herself. Uh, it's revealed here that, like, uh, it's also mentioned here that, like, Rin wanted to fight the golems herself just to prove uh her own abilities uh and basically uh, just forced archer to stay stay back 
Uh, there also mm-hmm. is like an implication that she wanted to do it herself because of how like disgusting she finds this form of magic. Like the harm of innocent people is something yeah. that clearly upsets her, um, in like a very real way. Yeah. Um, Rin, however, wants to go after Caster before she she can escape the temple. Uh, Archer wants to take out Saber right now, but Rin would prefer to leave them alone for now as long as they hide away in their house. Archer tests her resolve, asking her, asking her what she'd do if Shiro showed up in front of her right now. She says she'd kill him. Sure. Sure you would. Uh, I mean, I, listen. <coughs> the next day happens. Yeah. Uh, so day five. Uh, Shiro dreams of Kuritsugu's death, the same dream that we saw in the Fate Route. Uh, on that day, he decided to become a superhero, but even now he's not sure how to do that, or even if it's the right thing to do. Uh, when he wakes up, you're given a few different options. If you go to see how Saber is doing, uh, Shiro meets her in the dojo, and she's surprised to see him up so early. Uh, it, sorry, and she's surprised to see him up so early. Um, Shiro worries that Saber wasn't able to get much sleep because of Taiga, but she says it wasn't an issue. In fact, Saber has actually taken a liking to Taiga. Quote, a person with such honesty and open-mindedness is rare. I can understand why you are so honest, having heard that she raised you, end quote. Uh, I love Saber that, uh, also uh, Saber, standing Taiga. I love that Saber's just like, man, she's too stupid to be anything but sincere. She's great. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, man, that's why I love Taiga. She rules. Uh, Sakura is another story, though. Uh, Saber made peace with her, but sensed that she was still on guard. Uh, if you choose to help Sakura make breakfast, Shiro asks her about Saber while helping her cook. He says that it'd help him out if she could get along with Saber. Uh, Sakura, Sakura asks if that would make him happy. He nods. Uh, she reassures him that they've made peace with Saber starting, starting at midnight last night. Sakura finds her hard to understand, but thinks she's cute. They'll be sleeping together tonight just because they want to. It's interesting, too, because, like, the conversation with Saber reframes that conversation with Sakura. uh, Because, like, uh, Saber is probably telling the truth. Yeah. Sakura is probably at least reframing things uh, in such a way that she thinks will make Shiro happy. Yeah, Um, like... Which is interesting. Yeah, because Sakura's whole thing is here is... Again, she pointedly asks him if getting along with Saber would make Shiro happy. She's also, uh, like, blatantly a victim of abuse. Like, Yes. It, it, it is a clear and blatant part of her character. Uh, she is a victim of abuse from clearly a, a long period of time. Um, and so her appeasing rather than being sincere and continually being on guard all of the time yeah man that tracks that yeah that seems yeah mm-hmm. uh, yeah and, 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 and like obviously shiro is not deliberately trying to take advantage of that it's no. just like you know that's that's just how she acts now around people that that's just how it be on this bitch of an earth yeah um so at breakfast, uh, Sakura is surprised to see Saber using chopsticks, and Taiga helps show her how to eat the meal Sakura prepared. Um, it's a pretty cute scene, honestly. Yeah. Um, we also get more of what Nasu thinks girls talk to each other about, with Taiga getting on Sakura's case for eating rice balls as a snack. 
uh, basically just Taiga is like, oh, you'll get fat if you eat a bunch. It's not great. No, it's not. Uh, we also get the gas leak story again, this time with the added context. Then in this timeline, Rin went, Rin went to investigate it. Um, as Shiro prepares to head to school, he asks Saber not to come along this time, since her present would, presence will attract far too much attention. She reluctantly agrees, but urges Shiro to call, her, call for her in his mind if there is any danger. Uh, <laughs> narrator <laughs> voice, he does not do that. Nope. Uh, he promises to avoid places where there are no people and to come home before dark. Uh, she warns him that the school is abnormal and to not go near Rin. It is every single thing that he every promises single... to do or not to do is something he either does or does not do. He breaks every single one of these promises. Yep. Yeah, every, every it's reading back like it's very funny. Like, it's not just a it, few It is just things. a list of things he, he is going he, to do. Yeah, he breaks every promise. Uh, he enters the school and immediately senses what we know is Shinji's boundary field. He brushes it off, then heads to class, where he bumps into Rin in the hallway. He greets her, he greets her like normal, but she ignores him and looks upset. Uh, he notices Shinji is absent today. At lunch, he chats with Issei, who says he's had difficulty sleeping lately. His fatigue won't go away, so he's been sleeping whenever he gets the chance. Uh, Kuzuki uh, Soichiro, the homeroom teacher of Class 2A, interrupts their conversation. Uh, he basically looks like a much older Issei, let's be honest here. <laughs> I, I mean, he looks like a much young, older Issei. He also looks like uh, generic. Like, he looks like generic angry teacher man. Yeah, uh-huh. Which isn't, uh, like, I, I think that's cool. I like that he looks like generic teacher man. Yeah. Uh, he talks to Issei about a student who has been missing since last night. Shinji was the last person who talked to her. Uh, Shiro asks Issei for details once Kozuki leaves, and he explains that someone called the called the school saying their daughter hadn't come, come home from archery club. Shiro immediately recognizes that the missing person must be Ayako. Issei confirms this. Uh, all after that, class... That whole conversation is basically Shiro going, please say psych, man. Please say psych. Please yeah. say it's not Ayako. And Issei being like... Oh. Sorry, dude. Hey, so it's... Like, I, I was trying not to say it was Ayako, but, like, it's Ayako. Yeah. Yeah. In, the, in, this, in this route, she does not escape. Um, mm-hmm. All after class club activity is canceled for the day and the library is closed, too. All the students head home in a hurry. Despite promising Saber he'd avoid being alone, Shiro decides to stay a little longer to try and talk to people about the incident with Ayako. However, all the students seem to have been told she's just ill. He decides to head back home now. As he's leaving, he notices Rin standing at the top of the stairs just above him. He asks what she's doing here, and she calls him an idiot for not bringing his servant with him. He says he'll be fine as long as there are other people around, which prompts Rin to tell him to look around. He does so and realizes they're completely alone on the third floor. Rin rolls up her sleeve, a revealing glowing tattoo, glowing tattoos on her arm, her magic crest. Rin says she told Archer to go home. She should be able to finish him off herself. Quote, you can run away, but that's just making it hard on yourself. I'm going to win in the end, no matter what you do. End quote. Uh, she, uh, the way... The way this conversation is framed, it, she is, like, mad at him for putting her in this position. She didn't yeah. want this to happen. 
Um, and so, like, she is going to follow through because she feels she has to, but, like... She really uh, doesn't want to do this. <laughs> All right, anyway. Um, so, Rin starts firing a shot at Shiro, uh, and you are given a choice here to either jump back into the hallway or to try and flee down the stairs. So, I actually did the bad ending here, because I... Because I was genuinely curious whether Rin would actually kill Shiro. Um, she, uh, if you choose to go down the stairs, that leads to the bandit, bad ending. Uh, where Rin does not kill Shiro. Um, instead, uh-huh. what she does is that a gander shot hits and um, he basically falls unconscious. And after he falls unconscious, he uh, she strips the... Um, command spells from his arm uh, and also uh, erases his memories of basically everything that that happened in the Holy Grail War. Um, Mm -hmm. So he he uh, basically doesn't even know, doesn't even remember that he even had Saber. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Uh, Again, she is not interested in actually killing him. Yeah, uh, she just wants him to stop being in a reckless idiot. Uh, so if you, if you jump sideways back into the hallway, uh, the wall that he was just standing in front of is impacted with three fist-sized burn marks. Uh, Rin is using a gander shot, an indirect curse that worsens the disease of the one being pointed at. It's supposed to just make an illness work, so it shouldn't be having a physical impact. However, Rin makes the shots with such dense energy that it looks like and has the power of a bullet. Imagine being shot by the flu. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's how Rin does it. it listen, fucked up. <laughs> uh, Shiro suddenly realizes that uh, Rin is trying to kill him. Not really, Shiro. She, she just wants it to look like she's trying to kill you. Uh, a hallway, uh, a hallway is a terrible place to be when dealing with a magic gun, so Shiro ducks into classroom 2F. She fires several shots through the classroom wall, barely grazing him, then leaps into the room. He runs back towards the stairs, getting grazed by several more shots. She tells him if he stops running, she'll make it quick and painless. Uh, he manages to go down a floor, but Rin intercepts him before he can continue down the stairs for the first floor. Uh, this is actually pretty funny, because he just, like, goes down, and she just jumps down the stairs, because she's a mage. Uh-huh, it rules. Uh, anyway, uh, he escapes into a classroom, and Rin surrounds it with a boundary field that cuts off sound. Instead of casting gander shots now, she's casting a spell. He manages to quickly strengthen a desk to use a, use as a magical shield right, to use as a shield right before Rin unleashes a shower of bullets into the room. Uh, um, so it, it is like worth mentioning like her actively using a spell is significant because she was not using any incantation or anything she was just using firing off gander shots using her crest so if yeah. she's using her spell like that is putting juice into some shit yeah um I mean, she's serious <laughs> it, yeah uh-huh uh he realizes he'll run out of magical energy long before she does and he calls out that he gives up the rain of magic bullets stop, and he walks out into the hallway. 
Rin there is one other uh, thing that I think is important about while that is happening. Sure. Um, so the shield that he is hiding, or, or the desk that he is hiding behind, it's not he strengthens it once. It's He has to strengthen it every three seconds on the exact second where the magic runs out. Oh, and it right, stops being yeah. strengthened. Um, and, and so that is important because uh, uh, in the Fate Root, he doesn't really get any real practice with strengthening magic. Like, he, he, he does, does it a couple once or times, twice. But, yeah. but, like... Even in the couple times he tries it, uh, outside of like dire circumstances, it doesn't really work. Um, yeah, like, it, when he's practicing it. Yeah, it lasts. Well, it's it's not that it doesn't work, but when it does, um, like the thing he uses it, he uses it on almost like gets immediately destroyed. Basically, like during right. during his uh, second fight with Shinji and Ryder, like he strengthens a, I think it's like a mop or something. Uh, like, uh, the mop is when he's fighting or trying to fight uh, Lancer the first time, I think. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And the mop gets immediately destroyed by Lancer, like after a single blow, basically. Um, wait, no, with Lancer, he was using the uh, poster. The poster, yep. The poster that is metal for some reason. Yeah, like the the mop is when he's fighting Ryder. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but but in both cases, like the things he strengthened get almost immediately destroyed. Uh, because um, the blows are so strong. Yeah, and, and so, like, what we're getting... He is getting, like, a crash course in learn to strengthen, bitch, like, out the gate that he never got in uh, Fate. Yeah. Like, uh, he is getting trialed by fire really quick. <laughs> uh, so the rain bullet stops, and he walks out into the hallway. Rin tells him the fight is over and to throw away his strengthened weapon. Shiro, however, doesn't like that she's smugly declaring her victory... He raises his makeshift weapon. Rin smiles and apologizes for what's about to happen. Quote, I can't hold back if you're resisting, right? I can't apologize to you if I happen to kill you accidentally, end quote. Uh, she gives him a final warning. Throw away his weapon and give her his command spell. He says he can't do that, though, since it would be like betraying Saber. She gives him three seconds to decide. Suddenly, a scream interrupts both of them. Shiro immediately heads down the stairs. Rin yells after him to wait until she releases the boundary field, since it could be dangerous. Uh, they both head down to the first floor and find a female student collapsed in front of the emergency exit. She has no wounds, but Rin can tell she's had her energy drained. She'll die if they don't help. Quote, it's only natural for someone to die if they're empty inside. Big mood, Rin. Mm-hmm. She goes to treat the student, but Shiro senses something beyond the open emergency exit. He quickly shields Rin with his right arm and is pierced by a black dagger that looks like a big nail. Uh, driven by a desire to retaliate against whoever tried to hurt Rin, Shiro bolts out of the exit. He senses a presence in the woods behind the archery range. As he heads into the woods, he sees Shinji between the trees. He's attacked again as a nail goes for his throat. He briefly uh, sees Ryder, then she vanishes again. He blocks her next attack by sheer luck, then runs for cover behind a tree. Understanding he's hopelessly outmatched, he finally calls for... S okay, so actually... <clears throat> uh, I think I'm wrong here, because he thinks about Saber, but he doesn't actually call for her in he, her mind. He does otherwise not actually call for her. Yeah, otherwise, he, otherwise she would have shown up. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, I misread his, like, inner monologue here. She, he's just thinking he, he, about Saber. He thinks about calling for Saber and then chooses not to. Yeah, because he's an idiot. Uh, yes. 
Uh, I'm surprised you're not using your command spell, Ryder taunts him. Uh, she says he must be brave, unlike her master. Since he doesn't have his servant, Ryder will kill him kindly. Uh, Shiro manages to get to the edge of the woods, but Ryder was just playing with him. She pulls him back using the nail in his right arm. She binds him in chains and strings him up from a tree. Um, Ryder up. is Ryder definitely appeals to a certain fetish. <laughs> What the the fucking bodysuit and blindfold don't give it away? Yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> uh Shiro attempts it, it's just it's just particularly emphasized in the Unlimited Blade Root works, I feel the Unlimited Blade Works route, I feel. I guess. I I don't feel like it was particularly subtle at any point. I suppose so. Uh, Shiro attempts to free himself by pulling out the nail, but Ryder goes to pierce his left hand. Uh, thankfully for Shiro, uh, she's interrupted by a swarm of magic bullets. Ryder retreats, allowing Rin some time to dress Shiro's wound. She expresses relief that he's still alive. As she treats him, Shiro has time to think about how nice and beautiful and perfect Rin is, and boy, she sure is pretty close to him right now, huh? Mm-hmm. In any case, Rin asks what happened, and he tells her everything except for how he saw Shinji. Uh, Rin suspected there was another master at the school, and now they've finally made a move. With everything called now, Shiro asks a very important question. Do you want to keep fighting or not? She asks him that, she, she says that's it for today, as she's no longer in the mood. She then offers her hand. She's going to take him to her house to properly heal him. A thing you definitely do to your enemy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. At Rin's house, she takes off the towel she had wrapped around the wound back in the forest. She's surprised to see that it's almost healed. Shiro doesn't understand why it's happening either, and Rin suspects it's because of his contract with Saber. Um, she gets up to make some tea for him, but Shiro wants to ask her about the other master first. She explains what we learned about the boundary field in the Fate Route. As he considers just how much thought and effort Rin has put into the war, he expresses that he'd never be able to beat her. She smiles and asks, Do you want to make peace for now? The master at our school is ill-natured, and the enemy now knows about you. I personally want to take care of this other master before you. They aren't going to be partners, per se, but she won't attack him as long as he doesn't betray her. Shiro agrees and says he'll be her ally forever. They shake hands. Some yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna. I was just. Yeah, that's like kind of the extent. This is. They agree to hang out and definitely not be friends. Def yep. That nope. Just collaborate. Like okay, y'all. Just collaborators who will definitely, definitely attack each other once the collaboration is over. Definitely won't keep making up excuses to work together. These stupid fucking teens, bro. I want to <laughs> kick both their asses. Uh, fucking teenagers. Yeah, I. Um, it, it, it really frames their, like, uh, like their, their budding affection for each other in a very charming way. Uh, well, I also think, like, cause, like, I, I read Shiro's, like, hey, so are we gonna fight again? As, like, a completely sincere thing. Like, him just being like, okay, I mean, like you said, we were gonna fight, and you were clearly, do, like, are we starting fighting again? Do you, do we need to say go? Like, what, what's going on? Yeah. Be fair here. Yeah, yeah, Shiro's being and 100% just, like, honest. Shiro, you stupid motherfucker, you're way more charming in this route than you were in Fate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, some time passes and we're dropped into the middle of a conversation where Shiro was explaining his relationship with his dad and why he doesn't know much about magic. Um, so I'll get into why I like this so much, but I think this conversation fucking rules. Um, this conversation's great, yeah. Uh, he tells her the extent of his knowledge, but she chides him for not keeping that a secret. He says it's not that big of a deal to tell her, and his father always told him that magic isn't something to hide, uh, desperately. Uh, Kiritsugu taught him not to be bound by rules, and always told him that he shouldn't learn magic and could quit whenever he wanted. This seems to set Rin off, who explains, Don't be ridiculous. Your dad's not a magus. If you're taught by such a character, I can't approve of you as a magus. Shiro says he knows he's nowhere near as good a magus as her, but she says that's not what, uh, but she says that's not what she meant. She cuts herself off, calms down, and apologizes for her outburst. It's not her place to tell him how to live. She explains that she got angry because his father ignored his responsibility as a magus. Quote, a magus' child isn't human from the start. No, it is the duty of the magus to change what is born human into something else through many years of hard training. That's why your dad isn't a magus. Your dad chose to be a parent over being a magus. End quote. She couldn't mm-hmm. approve of how Shiro was asking, so she tried to scare him straight. Um, this conversation is, like, I like it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Both because, like, it reveals a lot about uh, Shiro and Kuritsugu's attitude, but also, like, how Rin views herself. Um uh- and like, so I don't know and also how like you she, read it. I, also, like, she is getting mad on Shiro's behalf. Like, she's basically like, how on earth could... Like, from her perspective, like, uh, Kiritsugu is being neglectful. Uh, well, I, so I didn't just read it as her being mad uh, on Shiro's behalf. I also read part of it as, like, envy. Um, like, uh, she didn't get to be a kid. Her parents yeah. didn't her parent chose to be a magus over being a parent and that's why he's gone like she was effectively abandoned by her parents and part of it is like but part of it is definitely um like kiritsugu is actively being neglectful his responsibility and like not preparing shiro effectively but also like shiro got to have a parent yeah she didn't and like i at least read a significant amount of envy in that yeah, I, I I think that's that's certainly true as well, which is probably why Rin is so con feels so conflicted here, um, yeah, and why she like immediately apologizes, um, like after going off and and like realizing that Shiro probably interpreted that as like her dunking on her his dad. Yeah, yeah, because like she she. Because, like, it, it's easy, like, she realizes, like, um, the way she's saying it, it's easy to interpret it as her, like, looking down on both of them. But she doesn't actually think that way mm-hmm. about Shiro. She's just, like, she's just she's just now fully understanding, understanding, like, the disparity between their upbringings. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, scene... Really good. I, I like this scene yeah, a lot. It's a very good scene. Um, time passes and it's time for Shiro to head home. Rin has work she needs to do, so she decides to have Archer guard him while he walks home. Not not the best guard you could choose, Rin. <laughs> uh, 
You uh, know, <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, Archer appears, and Shiro instinctively knows that they hate each other. Uh, Rin tells, it's so fucking funny. Yeah, uh, Rin tells Archer uh, not to attack Shiro, but the whole time he's walking home, uh, Shiro feels hostility behind him. Before they part ways, Shiro asks, asks Archer to come out and say what he wants to say. Archer Shiro said, basically is like, man, what's your fucking problem? Yeah, why are you, why are you being such, like this? Why are you such an asshole, dude? <laughs> Uh, Archer says he's not fit to be a Magus, as unwilling as he is to spill blood. Even Rin can be merciless. Uh, I don't know, I don't know about that, Archer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you might be looking through some rose-colored glasses, homie. Yeah. Uh, Archer says he, she only acts immature when she's facing Shiro. Uh, Shiro asks if he's seeking the Grail. Archer claims he's not interested. Quote, my wish cannot be granted by a thing like that. End quote. Shiro's confused. Why would he be a servant if he's not seeking the Grail? Archer explains he doesn't have free will. He didn't choose to be summoned. Uh, we also learn that there's something special about the Holy Grail War. Normally, heroic spirits are summoned to clean up a mess. They do their job and they leave. Um, basically, like heroic spirits aren't just summoned for the Grail War. They're they're also summoned to deal with various other calamities. Mm-hmm. Uh. However, when they're summoned to the Grail War, though, uh, they regain their humanity along with their former desires and grudges. Archer doesn't wish for the Grail, though, because he already made his wish come true. He then died and became a heroic spirit. He believes the same is true for Saber. Um, which he is right about. <laughs> sort of. Kind of? Sort of. Um, uh... Yeah, it... it... You know, it's it's messy. Uh, yeah. Like she she hasn't died yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um and Shiro arrives home to find that Sakura is already preparing dinner. Taiga informs um, him Oh, go ahead, sorry. There's one thing I did want to highlight in that conversation, sure. which is uh, uh Archer says uh, uh he did not have a wish that he could not make come true. Uh which is Similar to Shiro. Like, Shiro uh, uh, earlier doesn't want the Grail because he doesn't view any of his wishes as something he couldn't achieve with his own hands. Yeah. Which is, which is interesting. Like, we had those parallels already established in Fate, and they're becoming stronger in Unlimited Blade Works. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, Tiger, Taiga informs him that Saber is very mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she told Saber. Uh, she told Saber not to hold back on punishing him for breaking his promise. Taiga and Saber immediately best buds. Love to see Saber. Love to see Shiro suffer. I, I mean, to be fair, I do love to see Shiro suffer. Uh, before going to Saber, Shiro asks Taiga if there's any news about Ayako. She reluctantly tells him that they found her with no wounds or apparent danger to her life. She's just confused. However, that's as much as Taiga can say, and tells Shiro to ask Ayako directly for the rest. Thinking to himself that Shinji is most likely the master of Ryder, Shiro deduces that it would be dangerous to have Sakura go back home. He asks her to stay at his house for the night, and she agrees. Uh, as expected, Saber releases her frustration by beating the ever-loving shit out of Shiro during training. <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, this is not a route where Saber gets all flustered about beating the crap out of Shiro. Uh, it's so fucking good, dude. Uh, after training, he asks her if she intends to use the Grail to stay in the world. Uh, 
She says she still intends to disappear once she gets the grail. She does not have anything she would want to do. Shiro says he'll believe her words for now, um, and uh, then explains what happened at the school and how he agreed to, to a truce with Rin. Saber agrees that it's good to learn from Rin, but she wishes he had consulted her beforehand. Uh, Shiro feels ashamed of himself, knowing she's absolutely right. Uh, sh- uh, which again, like, um, reinforces this this dynamic where, like, Saber doesn't necessarily, like, disagree with all the choices that Shiro makes. She just wants to be, like, part of the decision-making process. She doesn't like that yeah. he just does shit on his own. And, and Shiro basically goes, to, yeah, I mean, you're right. <laughs> yeah, not, that's not fair. <laughs> you're right, that up, was a dumb bad. thing to do. Um, uh, Saber, uh, Saber goes over the plan with him. Uh, they'll, co-oper- they'll cooperate to deal with the master who set up the boundary field at the school. Once that master is defeated, Rin will be his enemy again. He reluctantly admits that Rin will be his enemy since he doesn't want to fight. Uh, uh, s- s- sorry, since even if he doesn't want to fight, Rin will likely confront him again herself. Saber is assuaged by this, but Shiro wonders to, to himself if he'll actually be able to fight Rin when it comes down to it. Uh, if Shiro tells Saber he he can't say for sure that they'll go back to being enemies, he says that even after they defeat Ryder's master, there's still Berserker to worry about. If they can cooperate, they should do so for as long as possible. Saber agrees to obey, but she warns him that continuing to cooperate will only make it harder for him once he has to fight her. And that is the end of day five. Yeah, that there. This was both longer and shorter than I expected it to be. It, it's weird. Um, yeah, Shira is so much better this route so far. Oh, he's so much better. <laughs> I don't want to punch him every five seconds mm. for saying some whack shit about women and how Saber uh, shouldn't it, be okay, fighting. Yes. I don't want to punch him for that reason every five seconds. I just want to punch him for being fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, ah. uh, I, I, I also... Uh, uh, this is also a route where, like, Rin, Rin herself gets to have uh, moments of being a dumbass, too. Yeah. It's like, Rin, just... You like him, Rin. Just, just be honest. You're definitely not going to kill him. Uh, I, I like that Rin gets to gets to have those moments where uh, she gets to be kind of kind of kind of stupid about her own feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, big fan of uh, big fan of Unlimited Blade work so far. Uh, I, I I really like the relationships as they're set up, uh, and I I even like the the relationship that Taiga and Sakura have with Saber because like. That that never really got a chance to go anywhere in the fate route because like Taiga mm-hmm. and Sakura both basically immediately leave. They get deleted the from story. the plot. Yeah, yeah. I I I am cautiously optimistic about uh, Unlimited Blade Work so far. I mean, to be fair, we were riding really high on fate at this same point. True. So like, it could nosedive super hard. But like, but also that's most. Right now. But also that's mostly because we thought that, uh, like the thing, like the elements that fate was setting up, it would explore more, not necessarily for like the character dynamics. 
Yeah. Whereas in Unlimited Blade Works is like, oh, I like all these character dynamics that have been set up. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm not gonna lie. There's a part of me that's like, okay, but what if now? What if now Nasu explores those uh, uh, themes and ideas? And like, <laughs> I know he won't. I, I know I'm just hurting myself, but I still hope. Yeah. <laughs> what if? What if uh, Fate Stay Night was communist? I mean, yeah. What if though? Uh, Not even what if it's communist. What if it even just did things with itself? Yeah. <laughs> what if instead of summoning Archer, uh, Rin accidentally summoned Vladimir uh, Vladimir Lenin? Lenin. I, we don't know who Archer is. I, maybe Archer is Vladimir Lenin. He, he wears a red coat. <laughs> we don't know what his noble phantasm is. Maybe his noble phantasm is communism. <laughs> Whomst among us can say? <laughs> I am the bone of my sickle. <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah. yeah I, there's not much. There's not too much else to say about these days. I don't. No. Think. Uh, th- this is mostly just setting up um, yeah. what is going to come, and I'm excited to read it and hopefully not hate it. Yeah. Um. I think next time, uh, yeah, I think next time we're, oh, wow, we're going to get uh, a few fights, um, actually. We're mm. we're going to get uh, more stuff with Shinji and Ryder, and uh, we're going to get some stuff with Assassin and Caster as well. So uh, we should have Oh, a, yeah, we are. Yeah. So uh, there's going to be uh, uh, stuff to talk about. Um, also, there's uh, going to be a few more branches, a few more little branches that diverge uh, that I'll get to talk about with the differences between the the uh, mm-hmm. the two ending routes I'm going with. Okay. Cool. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so uh, that'll be it for now. Um, you can find me at Stilt the GM and also on Eidolon Playtest. Uh, Sierra, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Rhetoric Acrobat, um, and that's pretty much it. I don't do things. Th- this is the thing that I do. Cool. Um, and uh, I guess that's the end of the podcast. Uh, remember, folks, uh, podcasts end when you stop recording. Every fucking time. I forget every fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm editing this fucking recording. <laughs>